Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin is not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, can you believe we're only five days out from Christmas? Four, four days out from Christmas? Five days? Depends what you call Christmas, Paul. Is it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day you count? I always say Christmas Day is Christmas Day. That's kind of the way I look at it. Like the 25th of December is Christmas Day. Okay. <laughs> so we're, f- we're four days from Christmas Day. Yeah. we'll go to air here um, yeah so can you believe it we've got three football matches to talk about and and there was a fourth over the weekend so I don't know did, did you know that on Friday night there was a game on out in Mullerhorn some people think it was a, a reserve championship final between Cavan Gales and um, Krishla yeah, but but that was the underlying part of it. The main part was it was Stick Meehan's testimonial. Did you know that? No, no, I didn't know yes. that. Is he, is, is he hanging up the boots? He's hanging up the boots after an illustrious career, um, both for Cavan on the rage and 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 Cavan Gales at adult level. He's hanging up the boots and he's picking up the microphone, I believe. Um, another skit going around about me by him. <laughs> so <laughs> I have to say, I love them. <laughs> he's brilliant. The latest one. I don't know if, if if people have heard it, but um, the latest one finishes off with um, the line, and you have to hear the whole lot and understand the context of it. But I'll give the line, and he was like, "Yeah, but did you ever shoot a duck in Clonus?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he comes up with these things. But yeah, uh, congratulations on, on his retirement. Um, stick me in, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, congratulations, Kevin Gale is picking up the win in that one. Um, Two under-20 finals. We'll come to them after we look back over Butler's Bridge, who were beaten in the Ulster Intermediate Championship semi-final by Steelstown from Derry. An absolutely, <coughs> really quality performance by Steelstown. Um, sublime footballers. I, I, I genuinely believe that if Steelstown were in Cavan, they wouldn't be far away from winning a senior championship. They'd be in the top three or four teams in the county. With, uh, with the level of performance they produced against against Butler's Bridge. Um, but after the game, I caught up with the Butler's Bridge captain, Cuevin O'Reilly. Sorry about Cuevin O'Reilly here after defeating the Ulster Intermediate semi-final. And I suppose, Cuevin, some days you just come up against a really good outfit and you have to tip your hat to them. Steel's time were class. Ah, yeah, they were. I have to hand it to them. They were brilliant. Um, to walk through us, they could have probably had a few more goals. and. Just one of them days for us. We didn't we didn't perform at all, and she have them days. So we we'll have to look at it and regroup again for 2022. 
it was as you say it was one of those days there was shots missed that usually would go over there was there was freeze missed it just couldn't seem to get the rhythm going after a good start leading five points to two it kind of felt like you could push on but the goals were the, the killer particularly the one just before half time when they were down to 14 players yeah brought it to six points going in at the end at half time probably sh- should have been three breaking ball and 11 got it and but at the start we were getting joy, but then they copped on quick, they got men behind, they played a full-time sweeper, if not two, so kind of didn't work well against it, and it was just, that's the way it was. Yeah, just a, a disappointing day. Looking at them though, have you come across, like you're looking for senior football in Cavan next year, the athleticism, the pace, the power, the use of the ball, they they, they, they know how to play it, and at senior yeah. level in Cavan, they beat a lot of teams. A lot, a lot of teams, they compete in senior in Cavan. And I was just saying to the boys after that's where we have to try to strive to get to. Like we're a good bit off that, but you know we're still we're still young. It was a bad beating. It was a bad end to the year of a good year. So uh, we just have to regroup now in January, and we've a lot of younger lads there. They have to keep working hard in the gym or on the pitch, and same as all of us. Every one of us have to improve. How difficult is it? Like, and you just mentioned it there. It was a good year. You won the Intermediate Championship. It's a great year. But it always has to finish on a low unless you win in All-Ireland. Yeah, yeah. That was our goal at the start of the year was to win an Intermediate. 37 boys. We met Dara at the start of the year and that's all we wanted to win. But then as you get on, like we got a bit of momentum against Unreaked. Probably should have beat them by more. And then oh, we got a schooling today, but we'll regroup anyway. Yeah, as well. No doubt at all. We'll- Obviously disappointed, Paul. Um, I liked the way, though, immediately, you know, 15, 20 minutes after the, the final whistle went, uh, the train of thought is, well, look, there's the, there's the measure we've got to get to. We've got our targets. We know we've got improving to do, and we've got to go about doing it. So that's the best that you can take from a situation like Buttersbridge found themselves in last Saturday. Ah, yeah, look, I think I think uh, nobody was, would... Um be complaining in Buttersbridge about the year that they had. I think they had an outstanding season and they came through a really tough intermediate championship this year. Lots of teams were strong in the intermediate championship this year. There was nothing soft about it. Um, I know there was, there was uh, no team down from senior, but I don't feel that it actually weakened it this year because you had loads of strong teams in Cavan and the bridge were worthy winners of it. And they also, of course, beat on React as well. Um, so I think that if they can, if they had the start of the year and you said to them, will you be in the top four intermediate teams, not alone in Cavan, but in Ulster, I think Buttersbridge would have taken it. It's probably a little bit of a sour note at the end of the year on because it was a heavy defeat. Um, but I wasn't at the game, but um, you were saying that Steeltown were really, really impressive. Yeah, impressive. Impressive in a lot of different ways. So their ability to attack was, was, was really, really impressive. Michael McMullen obviously was saying to us last week how they were a very attack-minded team. And in the first 15 minutes of the game, or definitely first 10 minutes of the game, it was man for man. It was open. And Steelstown were they were second best probably in the first 10 minutes because Butler's Bridge were leading five points to three, I think, after uh, 10 minutes of play. But what I, what really impressed me about Steelstown was at that point, the ability to adjust and say, okay, man for man at the back, we're getting beaten here. We've got to do something different. So they they allowed the wing half back um, Owen Concannon to they, they they got one of the wing forwards to kind of drop back and cover Owen's man, and then Owen Concannon came in as a plus one as a sweeper in front of Quigan O'Reilly, and that was the game changer. That literally 
was what what won the game. I I believe for for Steelstown was just that Butler's Bridge didn't figure out how to break down the sweeper, how to work by the sweeper. And it, it brought me back to the Baileybury game, if you remember, in the quarterfinal. Baileybury played with a double sweeper system. And Butler's Bridge found it very, very difficult to break it down. Now, they got the few scores in the last couple of minutes from high balls going into square and a couple of really quick hand passes and stuff like that that, that got them through it eventually. But the, the sweeper... Um, seems to cause this Butler's Bridge attack a little bit of problem, a little bit of trouble. And they, uh, they they definitely didn't deal with it that well. They didn't break it down. They did five points in the first 10 minutes and they scored five points for the remainder of the game after that. And of those five points, I think two of them came from freeze um, and the other three from from open play, the ones at the end of the game. So, um, you know, they, 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 they need to, in order to go on up in senior, they need to figure out how to break down mass defence or break down a sweeper system. Uh, they do, yeah, they definitely do. And I think they need they do need to tighten up at the back. I know Kevin said in the interview after the county final that he was hearing people saying that their defence was weak and that it was a load of crap. But I don't I don't think that's that's fair a fair comment to say. Like I think we can we can say it. I'm not saying maybe to say they're weak is you can't say a team that wins intermediate championship is a weak defence because they kept they kept Cullins to twelve points, and that's a very good Cullins attack. And they kept Barry Hayes to fourteen in the final, so that's not weak. But I do think that that the, going up to senior, you're going to come up against really good teams. Like like you're saying, Steelstown might be that far away from winning the senior in Cavan. So let's say they're in the top five, top six in Cavan. There's five or six teams around that level in Cavan that the Bridge are going to have to contend with next year. And mm. I I think they are going to have to tighten up at the back. That's that's just a fact. Like. Looking through the the scores they conceded, like that was a that was a big to concede five goals, like it always it always looks bad, but that had been sort of threatening all year. Like like they conceded three goals against Killing Care, they conceded two fourteen against Templeport, they conceded three ten against against Baileybury, they conceded two eleven uh there and even against Unreact. So they're you know they have been shipping a lot of scores and that's been a, a thing for the last two years. So that's one area the bridge are gonna to need to tighten up on, which they'll know themselves. I got a text message uh, yesterday morning from somebody saying, how long is it going to take Paul on the podcast to to uh, rain on, on Butler's Bridges defense? <laughs> so <laughs> it was it didn't it didn't take that long at all. But do you know, I what? don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I heap praise on Butler's Bridge. Like absolutely heap praise on them. And like their defensive performance against the Collins was outstanding in particular. Mm-hmm. And in the county final, they were really good as well. But yeah. you can't argue with the stats. Like you let if you let in. 17 goals in, in nine games like you've got a bit of an issue there and I know five of them came in the, in the same game but but let even leave aside that game in, in their in their championship games up to that they played eight championship games and in five of them they let in two goals or more so like that that is an issue because it's very hard to win games when you're leaking goals and it goes to show how good the bridge are that, that they have done so well to get that far like it's not just this year so it's not just a freak it's a long number of results like last year they had one of the leakiest defences in the county and they made it to the, to the Intermediate Championship final. Now, maybe to say it's the defence is a bit harsh because it's a whole team effort. But well, I just think I just think if, if, if Steel Cern are, are the, as you say, like probably not 100 miles away from senior championship level, top end of senior in Cavan, that's the level that the bridge are going to play next year. So I'm just, I'm just making the point that mm-hmm. I think the bridge are going to need to... to I, th- I said it before the podcast, they're making things hard on themselves. Is like if, you, it, if you're conceding two or three goals, you're making it very hard on yourself. 
it's a balance issue, isn't it? Like, while don't get me wrong, I love watching the bridge and, and, and they're one of my favorite teams because of the way they attack and, and, and because they all want to attack. But there is a balance issue there that it's, they do, I think you've, you've phrased it well, they do make it a little bit more difficult on themselves because they, they, they are prone to conceding high uh, number of scores. And, and that's just something that, that, that at the end of the day, they know themselves. They're going to have to make improvements both in attack and in defence if they go up to the next level. If they do what they've done this year, and I've said this about every intermediate team for the last few years, do what you've done this year, and you're not going to be competitive at senior level. And that's just the reality of it. For every single intermediate winning team, you've got to get better if you're going up to senior. Mm, that, that's it. I, I think their most consistent players are, are in the front half of the field. That's the way I'd put it. And, and that's why I think they, they tend to... They can play some great games from a defensive point of view, as we saw in the in the semi final, final of the county championship, which was the winner of the county championship. Because if they had of, they only kept three clean sheets in Ulster and in the county, and two of those clean sheets came when they were most needed, which was in the semi final, final of the county championship. And I I believe that was the winning of it because they were brilliant defensively those two days. But the consistency is probably lacking a wee bit at that end of the field. But like you, they're my favourite team, bar none, to watch in Gavin. They play mm. brilliant football. I love their their attacking philosophy on the game, and it's got them the rewards. Like, and they're entitled to now to enjoy the Christmas because they've had some year, and they were the best team in Cavan in the intermediate championship. They did it the hard way. I, I think they they probably beat the three best teams in the knockout stages, like to beat Baileyburn, Cullens, and and Ballyhale. So nobody can take that away from Buttersbridge. Not even a, yeah. Not even the likes of me. Not even that. <laughs> it's amazing how 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 comments can be. Uh, can be perceived that that it's a you know you're you're almost a blighting or putting a blight on their character. It it's literally an observation that that I'm sure their management have been aware of. I'm sure previous managements have been aware of, and they're they're trying to rectify. Um, so it's it's something it's something to work on. I do think Butler's Bridge though made, and I I I, I do always be kind of weary of saying this, but I, I say it probably with every winning team is that they've made progress and, and Bullersbridge have made progress and the additions that they've brought in the likes of Michael Shorten and goals. I thought, you know, that was a huge part of a huge area that Bullersbridge needed to sort out. If you think in previous years, they'd been working between Carlos Conlon and Garrett Henry and Noel McPhillips and trying to figure out a goalkeeper and, and none of them were goalkeepers by trade. Now they've got a goalkeeper. They've got a specialist goalkeeper and he pulled out, um, really good kickouts on his right foot, but he pulled out two kickouts on his left foot um, as well. So he's he's a specialist in that area. Looks very comfortable. Two really good saves early doors. Um, you know, if if he wants to go, he's got a great future in front of him. If he continues to progress the way he did this year, he probably has to get a little bit stronger. But he is only still under eighteen, so he's 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 got plenty of time to do so. Um, I think I think there's a lot of positives for Butler's Bridge in terms of age profile. Like the oldest player, I think that started on the field was Andy McConnell, and then from Andy, who's 37, I think I'm right in saying, you're dropping right down to would it be Kieran Green and or Fergal Flanagan, who's 29, 28, 29, that sort of age group, maybe 30 years of age, and then from that you're jumping down again to to Quivin, who's 25. So there's there's a there's a lot of Players, the majority of players are in the right age group that they can get better. Mm. And then they've introduced younger lads coming in, the likes of Finber Connery, Shaney Leddy, 
Um, didn't get a huge amount of game time this year, but done very well, I thought, when he played when he started at the weekend. Liam McEntee in there, another young lad. There's, there's lots of young talent in this Butlersbridge side. So, um, you know, if they work hard, they, they will be fit to compete at senior level, but they've got to use all that young talent and, and, and bring it on another level. Yeah, I, I think the bridge are going to establish themselves as senior now. I, I honestly do. I think the numbers are good and, and like... You've seen there with the, with the bunch of players that they have, like they're very hard working. Like they must be because look at the improvement they've made in the space of two or three years. That doesn't just happen by chance. Um, and you know they're all mad into their football. They want to improve. So I think their profile is good, and they look like a team that will that will establish themselves. Like you take Lara there as a team that went up. They've established themselves now. I would say like they did a good good year this year in, in senior and showed that they could compete. Like even giving Calvin Gales a good game in the quarter final. Like they're a model that that the bridge can follow, and the bridge might even be better than Lara. Like I think there's loads of potential there. When you've got scoring forwards, I I always think you've got a great chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely so, definitely so. Look at it'll be interesting to see um, if like they've had such stability with George Dugdale as manager. I think it was five years, and now Dara winning the the championship, a big part of. Maybe it's the continued progress would be the stability in that area. Does Dara stay on um, with them? I, I, I'd imagine that project isn't done as yet, but um, I think that it's an important part. And sometimes when you get a run in a, in a provincial competition, it leaves very little window if the manager had decided already that it was a, you know, they were going to step away after a year or whatever the case may be very hard then to have the replacement lined up um, because they don't know what they're getting. So uh, a bit of stability there in, in the management would do Butler's Bridge the world of good. So hopefully, hopefully it is the case. We've a lot, actually, we must do a podcast maybe over the Christmas, over the managerial merry-go-round because there is a lot of, of people jumping on and jumping off, but they're, they, they tend to jump off and then jump on just at a different slot. Yeah, it seems to be, but it's always good to follow it at this time of year, yeah. No, I think, yeah, just to go back to your earlier point, yeah, I think it's crucial for the bridge that they hold on to Darren McCarthy. So I think clubs in general uh, change managers too often. And a lot of managers, there's a lot of lads on the circuit that probably aren't really up to much, to be honest. And not a lot, but there's a certain amount on the managerial circuit that kind of go from club to club and don't achieve very much. But he's one of the ones that goes from club to club, or not from club to club, but has gone to different clubs and achieved a lot. And, and George Dugdale as well, like obviously he's done a great job with them. So I think it's crucial that they hold on to, to their management. Yeah, yeah. Um, one club that has announced their manager for next year, we might as well throw it in here in, in breaking news, Jason O'Reilly has gone back to Cavan Gales. What's your thoughts on that? I'd say they'll be delighted with that because the last time he was there, they didn't lose a game the whole season. Yeah. So like, you can't argue with that. He, he got a good tune out of them last year. Um, I, think, I think the Gales made a bit of progress this year. I think they were better this year than they were last year. And like they, they did lose by a point to Rammer in the semi-final. So like they, they were going through a transitional period there. And I don't I don't think they kind of there was an element among some of the Gales members that they didn't recognise that they were going through a transitional period. And I think they were kind of that didn't do them any good really. Because like it was kind of well flagged that they were struggling in tight games and all that. But that they sort of put that to bed this year. That was going on for a couple of years there, but they put that to, get to bed this year. And even though they lost the tight game to Rammer in the semi-final, I definitely forgive that because they came through a lot of tight ones and mm. they had good wins in the league in tight games. So I think the Gales are, have kind of, you know, it was always going to take a while to, 
to move on from that great core players that they had, and they have moved on now, and they're they're starting to replace them. They are they needed fresh blood in the Gales because it was an Asian team, and uh, they have some of the older lads have moved on. They have started to bring young lads into it. So, um, yeah, I think that will strengthen the Gales for next year. I think they'll be they'll be contenders now, definitely in twenty twenty two. There's there's the possibility that the Gales had bottomed out maybe in twenty twenty, and now they're they're starting to rise off again, you know, or, or starting to improve again. Um, so it's it's a, it's an interesting time. I don't know how long they can continue to improve. I think still the, a lot of the key players are, mm. you know, the, 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 the older ones are, are key players. Um, so it'll be just interesting to see. But there is still the, the potential to win championships with that group of players if everybody was fit. And that's... That's probably going to be Jason's biggest um, biggest challenge is to get everybody fit at the one time. Yeah, that's it. That's it. But I think the, I think it's so tight that senior championship McCavin. Like if you yeah. get a bit a bit of luck with injuries or the draw, uh, you could find yourself in a final very easily, and then anything can happen. So there's about five or six teams there at least that that are looking at it saying that there's no reason why we can't win the championship. Which is, I I, I think we've a great championship. They're, whether or not the stand, what the standard is like, yeah, but also results suggest it's not good. But uh, I personally think we have a great championship, and I think maybe we're a bit better than our Ulster results suggest because I think it's a common thing, thing, uh, common trend is that counties where a different team nearly wins it every year do poorly, even the strong counties like Tyrone. So. It might be an element to that as well. But I think we have a great championship and I think anyone could win it again next year. And Jason going to the Gales is going to be add a real uh, interesting subplot to it. Yeah. I understand of, of the top teams, Ray Cole has stepped aside. Have you heard that? I haven't heard that now. I haven't heard that. I heard that rumour at the weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that it, it it's a rumour, but I did hear it from somebody from Rammer. So um, that's, a, that, that's a big, big blow, I think, to Rammer. They, they'll have to have have somebody really good lined up to to take those boots if it is true. Um obviously Kingscourt are, are looking as well. Fimber O'Reilly stepped down from Kingscourt. Um just trying to think of the top teams. Who else? Uh well Jimmy Higgins is staying on with Crush Law, I understand. Um Gauna. And Gauna. I haven't heard actually if the management are staying on. I'd be very surprised if they don't stay on. That's a like like you said, um, and we'll hear from Fionn and Brady, but it didn't take Fionn and Long after winning a Division One under twenty title to reference the hurt from losing the the senior final. So, um, yeah, what a good good segue into our under twenty coverage. Well Beautiful, done, Paul. Beautifully done, beautifully done, yeah. Damon. So we'll start off with Division One. Um, Southern Gale is taking on Hollands in the final on Saturday afternoon in. Um, Dolan Park in Virginia. After the game, Paul caught up with the Southern Gales joint captain, Fionn Brady. Joined now by Fionn Brady, the joint captain of the Southern Gales team. I nearly said Garner team there, but uh, it's Garner lacking amalgamation. So congratulations, long year of football and you've, you've got your hands on a big cup here at the end of the season. Yeah, uh, it was tough enough after the loss. Boys, 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 to be fair to them, they came back, took a week off, came back done training and stuff and thankfully just got it done in the end at least it's a good team and um, the disappointment of losing the county final does this make up for it now to to some extent Uh, not a lot does maybe if we win it next year it'll make up for it but not a lot makes up for losing the county final with your club 
it's every lad's dream to win it. So uh, it's it's it does make up for in a bit, but look, it's nice to end the year on high at least. And uh, what sort of a game was that to play in? It looked like a hard hitting, a lot of frees in it, a lot of fouls, and probably wasn't the most open, attractive game. Just I didn't think I was getting a lot of frees now, to be honest. <laughs> uh, he, uh, yeah, it was it was tough enough. These are Collins is a tough team. They're a good enough team. They're, uh, they have a lot of good players, so it was tough, yeah. And in this pitch, it isn't the best of pitches, but look, we got through in the end. We just took whatever we got and we kept going, pushed on. Bad start. Good end, that's all we can ask for at least. And Cahollins had beaten Southern Gales earlier on in the competition, so you probably weren't short on motivation going into it. Did you learn a lot from that first game? Uh, yeah, well, we learned. We learned that we weren't near. We we kind of went into it with a bad attitude, especially lads. It was the week after losing the replay. There was lads injured, there was lads sick, uh, but at the same time, we still went in with a very bad attitude. But we knew we only lost by four or five points, even though they kind of controlled the game, and we knew we could easily make that points up if we just put in the effort over the next couple of weeks. So we knew, we knew we'd put in the work at least to get us better. And the last thing I was going to ask you, the second half there, you played with a man down. So a hell of a performance in the second half. You won the second half probably by seven or eight points with a man down. What was said at half time or what changed? Uh, Ah, well, we just kind of knew. We just organised ourselves. We, we had organised beforehand and we kind of went astray and then the sending off kind of put it a further astray. It was just a matter of calming down, realising, listen, we played shite in the first half. We're still two points down. It's just a matter of playing smart football and doing what we've done to end the first half. Keep doing that and that's exactly what we did. Brady's Arva Limited. Main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. You were at this game, Paul. Um, I was I was up in in the at the Butler's Bridge, and you you split the the tie to to go to the Southern Gales game. Close game, ascending off for Southern Gales. You would have thought before half time was it for Cornwall? Yeah. Cork barely got sent off um, just before halftime. Yeah, and at that stage, Cullen's were the better team. Like at halftime, it was eight points to one three. The final score was uh, one fourteen to thirteen in favour of Southern Gales. So Southern Gales scored eleven points in the second half. Um, Cullen scored five. So uh, mm. there was no doubt in the second half who the better team was. I thought that overall, I thought Southern Gales were better. I thought. They upped the ante a lot. Ryan Dunne, who was quiet in the first half, I thought he had a very good second half. I think he scored three points in the second half and uh, he hit the upright with a 45 as well. Um, Tiernan Madden was very good throughout. Darren Madden, I thought, was excellent. Really excellent. Um, even though he was well, well enough marked early on in the game, um, but as, as the game wore on, like his movement was very good, his ball winning and his kicking was very good. Uh, Connor Casey scored a couple of points as well, did quite well. Owen Harton came up from full back with an inspirational point for Southern Gales at one stage where he sort of fallen away. I think he'd got a wrap just as he kicked it and he was falling back and he managed to steer it over the bar from long distance. It was a it was an unbelievable score for a full back coming up. I've so this, seen him play a couple of games with the under twenties and uh he's he's a player who excites me now, I have to say. I think he's he's got a lot going for him. 
he has, yeah. Well, he's got that bit of Garner steel to him as well, and he's you know when the going got tough there, like Gar- the Garner and Lackey lads um, didn't shy away from it. Not that Cucullins did, but on the Cucullins team, I was impressed with the with the place kicking of Torlock Farley, um, Niall Carlin as well. Straight away, you'd pick out Niall Carlin as a as a as an excellent player. Like he was, he put in a great shift. Um, inside, Sean Kenny was lively inside as well. Killian McCabe. He showed himself to be a good ball winner in the full forward line as well. He won a few good ones. He kicked a mark. He, he got another mark that was a poor... He did very well to win it, and then he sort of was a careless kick. He kicked a wide. Um, so they had they had some good performances all over the field as well. But I just thought some of the guys had that, that little bit of extra quality in some positions, particularly the two Maddens now. They, they stood out. Fiona Brady as well, the captain, did well. So they were, they were solid. But a good game... An awful lot of freeze in it. There was fifty infringements in the game when you when you include um once where the referee signaled for advantage as well. So he spotted fifty infringements. To put that in perspective, there was there was thirty-four in the game at Clonus the following day. So it was quite a bit over an hour. It was well above average for a for a sixty minute game to have fifty. So there was a lot of cards, about six or seven yellow cards handed out, I think, and there was a red card, and it was fractious enough, a lot of stoppages, and there was a big melee at the end of it as well, which which you don't want to see, especially in the 20 game. But there was an element of frustration there, I suppose. I don't know how it started or anything. I wouldn't speculate on that, but I think there was probably players were probably at each other. Now, what I did notice in the game, and I, I thought, it's, I don't want to let it pass without a comment, there was a lot of golden going on in the game. And okay. I, yeah, and I thought that was bad. Like, I'd, I'd love to see that stamped out. I think it's bad. And I, we saw players on both teams doing it where, where a player would hit a wide, like, and a couple of lads would come up and jeer at him, and, or a player would be on the ground and someone would shout at him and, you know, bend down and shout at him. I, I just thought that was terrible. Like, I know you want to win, but, like, come on. I don't. I didn't like to see that. It took away from him because there was some, some fabulous players playing there. Sorry, I forgot to mention Philip Smith as well. Um, I thought he had a... He had a Turned in a great shift there in the middle of the field for Parker Hollins. Another player that you'd pick out. He scored a great point as well. Spectacular point falling away. So it was a good battle there in the middle because you had some outstanding players there in the middle toward like Ryan Brady on the Southern Gales team got through an awful lot of work. It was just a, a day for hard work and he was a, he stood up to the plate in that regard. Keen Harton as well. I thought Southern Gales when they went down a man uh, they managed things very well. Whereas Hollins probably they didn't use their spare man as well as they could have, but I thought it was a good game. I thought it was considering the conditions, considering there's such so many frees and things and stoppages in it and the time of year. Um and it's a tight field there in Virginia as well. Considering all that, I thought there was some great football in it and it definitely looked like a high standard to me, which which it should, because you you'd be disappointed if you watch that game with six six uh, players on the Southern Gales team who played in the county final recently. You'd be disappointed if if he came away from it, and plus Darren Madden, who was too young, but he's outstanding prospect. You'd be disappointed if he came away and thinking standard wasn't good. And Owen Hart, yeah. So the standard was 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 high, and a great way for Garner, in particular, to finish the year having lost the the final. Like I, I was sort of smiling to myself when I did the interview with Fiona and Brady. He was the joint captain, um, along with with uh, Jared Boylan, I think it was. And when I did the interview with him after the game, it was like. As you said there, it was about 3.2 seconds before he referenced the, the losing the county final to Rammer. So you can tell that that's is hurting a lot for for the Garner fellas anyway. So um, they'll be back. They'll definitely be back. From a Cuhullins point of view, though, making a Division One final and running that Southern Gales team so close, such a star-studded Southern Gales side, 
um, it it shows that Cuhullans are an up and coming team. There's a lot of a lot of progress um, that has gone on in Cuhullans over the last few years, and a lot of the key players over the next few years will have been on show in that final on on, on Saturday afternoon. So um, great to see all that going on. Yeah, well, it does it does actually raise another question about the amalgamations. Um, and I know there's a lot of commentary about it on the on the Celt Facebook page after I posted my match report. People saying that the county board needs to look again at the amalgamations, um, especially when you see clubs fielding on their own in the, the younger age groups and then amalgamate amalgamating. And there probably is something to be said for that. Like I don't blame the clubs. You know, it 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 has definitely served Garner very well because they're exposing their players to a high level of football there, and they're they're already bringing them through the senior like. But, you know, let's say they're going under 15s that won this year. They're very small numbers, the one under 15. So when they get the minor, are they going to amalgamate? Are they going to go ahead as Garna? Uh, considering they're, they're the top under 15 team in the county, um, but traditionally they have been amalgamating that minor. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I know there's some clubs a bit a bit pissed off with that, but I wouldn't hold it against uh, Lacken or Garna. I think I think they're they're doing what's, what's best for their club, and that's what, what every club needs to do. I I personally my belief is that any thing that improves the standard of a competition is should be welcomed. Mm. And I think that Kuhollands were pushed right to the end and, and came up short by the fact that they came up against the Southern Gales amalgamation. And therefore the standard and the winners were a bit better than they would have been if there were no amalgamations allowed. So I, I think we've got to, we've got to look in Cavan to try to expose players to the highest standard possible, wherever that may be. Now, if there was another system in play like they have in Kerry where you have regional championships and stuff like that or regional teams going into a championship, that exposes them to a higher level as well. But we don't have that in Cavan. So if amalgamations... I, I personally don't have a problem with even an amalgamation having a second team going in at a lower tier. I don't I don't necessarily see that as a problem because I think it's it's given players football and it's given then the better players football at a higher level. And I think that that's that can only be good for Calvin football. So yeah, I can see your point of view on that. I, I and I tend to agree with you. It's hard to as much as I love to, it's hard to argue with you on that one. Um I remember someone once making a point to me. I, I was in favor of the regional um, amalgamations coming into the senior championship and this was like 10 years ago and Lavi were an up and coming team at the time someone was making the point to me like you, you look at Lavi they've come up into senior they made an Ulster Intermediate final their young team coming up doing everything right and now they, they have to come up against three clubs to try and win the senior and I was saying well by definition what you're complaining about is that it's too hard and if it's hard it means it's stronger and it's stronger senior championship is what we want but at the same time there are you know the law of unintended consequences come into play and there is a certain amount of wastage you'd imagine from players as well so a balance probably has to be struck interestingly moving on to the division two in the 20 final Damien the amalgamated team were beaten in that so you had three clubs in the Blackwater Gales amalgamation which was Mahara Mary Nugent and uh, Much Connacht and they were beaten by Drumlane but interestingly as well Drumlane had 24 named on their programme and the amalgamated team had 20 on their programme so swings and roundabouts there like what do you do what do you do when you've when three clubs combine to to um summon up 20 players? Like I don't think anyone's trying to take the piss there now. No, 
no, without a doubt, without a doubt. Look at that, that's a necessity at that point. Mm. And there was a rule at one point that amalgamations must play top division, regardless of what, how good they were. And I, I don't think that that's a good rule either, because we have seen in the past, and we're currently seeing it, that there are amalgamations that are very, very weak. They're coming together to make up the numbers, but even the numbers that they have still don't make them a good side. Mm. And you know, we've got it, we've got to get that balance right. So um, but Look, with Blackwater, these are a good side because that was one hell of a comeback. It was a great comeback. Now, first of all, I was actually asking someone from Jermaine. I would have thought that Jermaine would have been division one. And the reason I thought that is they've 24 there on the panel. Now, they might have a few minors in that making that up or whatever. I'm not sure. But they had five county under 20s on the match day of 24 when they played Darren. So I would imagine that was the highest representation on, on your yeah. squad. So like, you know, when you have five county players there and you're 15 uh, and you're not playing in Division 1 because there's no there was no weak players on that team. Like, you know, other players there who are, who are excellent, really stood out. So... But all that said, I think the proof was in the pudding. And, uh, yeah, sorry, what I was saying was I was asking someone about Jermaine and what I was told was that they were looking to get into Division 1 and they weren't let. So I don't know what the lion land was there, in all honesty. But I think the proof was in the pudding because uh, they ended up being pushed to extra time. So that was suggested. That was a horse race and they ended up neck and neck. You'd say the handicapper got it right. So I think that um, it couldn't have been much closer. There were 10 points to two up. Michael Owens was... the was the dominant figure at that stage of the game early on. Um, I thought he was dominating the middle third, winning ball, running out Blackwater, winning freeze. Darren McGorn was knocking him over and it looked like this, they could run up a cricket score. But the scores all of a sudden just dried up and Blackwater got back into, into it. Endo Shea I thought was quiet for the first 20 minutes or so um, and then he started to come into it. But all the way through for Blackwater, Ned Brunton was outstanding. He was absolutely superb. Um, winning loose ball all around the place. Scored a goal in the second half. Winning loads of frees. His pace and he was so direct. Jermaine struggled to handle him. And <clears throat> he could have went anyway uh, at the end. And, um, I thought actually Blackwater might, might have snuck it because they were playing into the car park end, which is the scoring goals usually on the 3G. In wind the second assisted. half. Yeah, second half What's extra time. For that car park end, it's always wind assisted. Yeah, yeah. And we saw that, that, that that's generally where the scores were, were happening. But... Um, Jermaine came up with a big point for Michael Owens in extra time and uh, Michael had been as I said absolutely outstanding for the first 20 minutes so he faded a bit but he came back into it and stood up strong uh, he had a good he was a good midfield partnership with Ben Monaghan I thought Ryan Tobin and Paddy Matthews Tobin in particular battled well there though but they were giving up a few inches to the two fellas um, Mark McGuire James McCall they all did well so I thought it was Darren McGoran as well, he scored about 10 points. And then O'Shea, who I said was quiet at the start, he really came into it big time. That was mm. a key, key reason why it went to extra time. And uh, after, after a difficult, I, I seen probably the first 45 minutes or I, when I left with, I was only meant to stay till half time. I hope my wife isn't listening to this one, but I, I, I stayed on for an extra 15 minutes or 10 minutes anyway. Um, but it looked like it was one-sided. It, even with the wind in the first 10 minutes of the second half, it looked like it was not going to be Blackwater's day. Endo, she had missed a, a very, very scorable free. Mm. You kind of thought, oh, that's going to kill him. And then from what I heard after I left, he 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 turned it on along with to join in Ned Brunton. And yeah. Ryan Tobin started to get control in the middle of the field. And that's how Blackwater turned it around. And it was interesting for me in the first half on this one. So the Blackwater kick out, they, they they were given up, as you said, a huge height 
to the to the more physical, more taller and more powerful uh, drumlane middle toward. So then they went short on one kick out. It got intercepted and was stuck over the bar. And that spooked them to not go short on any kickouts at all. Um, so the only way that Blackwater were getting possession of the ball was when they actually got the numbers back, turned over, and then could counterattack. So turned over in open play and could counterattack. And it was something that worked really well. Um, then I, I spoke with a few lads that were at the game um, along with you that were saying that they'd done an awful lot of that in the final quarter, that they turned over ball and counterattacked and, and, and really put um, Drumlane under pressure, who didn't look as fit as Blackwater in the last yeah, quarter. That's, yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. I'd agree with that. Blackwater looked fitter. Uh, but in, in, in the first half, Drumlane looked on a different level, or the first 20 minutes anyway, Drumlane looked to be literally a different level. It looked like that they were a different standard of player mostly around the field and they turned Blackwater over in the middle toward time and again so every time Blackwater got as far as the halfway line Jermaine were stripping the ball off them and, and pouring forward but uh, it was amazing how, how the game changed and I was the same as you I thought this is I'm standing here getting freeze and stamping my feet trying to warm up watching a mismatch but we were fairly warm by the end of it because it turned out into a good game a really good game so um, bright bright uh, prospects for the future there for, for both clubs particularly Jermaine because they've Obviously, they're a standalone club there winning that. So, great achievement for them. Yeah. And one game before we finish up, David, very quickly, we forgot to mention a couple of weeks ago, it slipped through the net because I was on holidays. Tremlane went into the, the All County Football League Division 3 in, in, on penalties against Killachandra. So, just to mention that, the second county medal for a lot of those fellas, this one's in extra time and that one was on penalties. Um, so, that'll really stand to those lads that battled their way to two medals in the space of a few weeks. So, well done to them. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, absolutely great. Uh, great finish to a year where where they'll have been disappointed to be relegated, but um, you know, with with a young squad there, there's plenty of talent, plenty of potential still to come true for them. So, um, Drumlane will 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 hopefully build on the end of this year and, and push on for next year, and and Blackwater, uh, all three sides uh, will do so, I'm sure as well. Okay, so um. Just to bring everyone's attention, we've got a lot of stuff going on over on our Patreon service. Um, if you haven't already checked out the Cavan Lives series, we've got five interviews with Mark Farley uh, doing in-depth interviews with Cavan people, not necessarily under sporting um, or, or anything to do with sport, but basically people from Cavan who've kind of lived a life less ordinary. And um, he spoke with Shane Connaughton, Michael Harding, uh, Bart McEnroe, Enda King and Finn Keenan and if you don't know who any of those are you should know and you should go over and check it out because they've all lived extraordinary lives um, that are a little bit out of the ordinary but have great stories to tell and Mark, uh, Mark gets really in-depth with them all so we've one more coming this week will be out on Friday um, so check out those ones also on the Die Hard service um, on Patreon. Now, if you want to just get the Calvin Lives and you don't uh, subscribe to the Die Hard service, it's only $3 a month for those uh, Calvin Lives podcasts. Or if you subscribe to the Die Hards podcast, you can get the Calvin Lives included. Um, it's all in for five euros. So, um, the other thing I would say is that if you know anybody 
that would like to get the diehards podcast we'll be posting up where you can buy somebody a subscription for a year um as a christmas present so pay up front for the entire year um for the diehards podcasts which is essentially two podcasts every single week throughout the year and as things ramp up and get really busy as three paid podcasts um throughout the year so or or in a week throughout parts of the year so it should be a really good christmas present um, we have coming up on the diehards, we're going to be looking back over convention, which is very, very interesting this year. Not so much in terms of that there was debate of any sort, but a lot of interesting points coming up in relation to the polo grounds, in relation to um, the academies on their age in, in Cavan, in relation to uh, the minors being changed back to under 18 at inter-county level. So, and, uh, and of course, Gabriel Kelly being announced as the, the president of Cavan GEA. What, what a legend um, to, to be picking up that honour. Um, so that's all coming up. And we'll also have our team of the year at intermediate and at senior level. If you have any nominations for those, don't forget to get in contact on social media. You get us at wearecavan or you can email us at wearecavan at gmail.com. And I think that's everything we have coming up in the next couple of weeks on top of a few mince pies and maybe a sip of brandy there, Paul. Looking forward to it, David. Which the mince pies are the brandy of the podcast. <laughs> oh, I'll mix them together. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, folks. Hope you have a great Christmas.